Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside one of the usual suspects since Charlie Davis is playing hooky today. It's Heath Pierce, who once had a front row seat during the U.S. Men's National Team incredible run of the 2009 Confederation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we call him Hollywood. He always seems to pop up in the big events. Now, before we bring on our special guest today, Heath, I feel like there will be a few themes that emerge in our conversation that both of us are familiar with. But the one I feel like I'll be focused on which I'm sure everyone listening and watching will go through as well at some point in their lives is, am I good enough? And if you are, how do you make others believe it if they don't believe it currently? And if you're not, and you're willing to admit that to yourself, how do you become good enough? That's one of the themes I'll be looking to explore. Any themes that you think will emerge today, Heath Pierce, before we bring on our very special guest? No, I think I, you know part of that is, is exactly what you said. I think this is a really important factor because it's probably the most relatable to you and I, right? Even you going into the 2006 World Cup were, you know, like we talked about on the bubble, past, on the bubble, but you believe that you had lost your shot after the Germany performance, right? That's you, right. You, you, you were living in that sort of gray area for, <laughs> that's a long time. It's a lifetime to spend uh, even a few days thinking about that. I myself, same thing, ended up being on the bubble and going out in 2010. You, you yourself as well on the bubble and going out. So I think it's a really interesting theme. But also with 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 Mark just being able to uh, discuss the fact that he's a very outspoken for for the age that he came into the league and and as the issues have continued throughout our 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 nation, being an outspoken advocate for for things, I think is another important factor for somebody his age leading the way for the next generation of using their platform for a voice. So I'm I'm, I'm interested. To, I'm, I'm excited to get get him on and start talking. Oh, I'm excited as well. Okay, everybody. So now it's time to introduce our special guest on in soccer we trust with the tail of the tape. The pride of Bear, Delaware, standing six feet tall, weighing in at 183 pounds. He currently plays a gank in Belgium after a great year winning the Supporters' Shield and being named MLS Best 11 with the Philadelphia Union. He's got eight caps with the U.S. Men's National Team, including starting against Honduras and Mexico to help us win the first ever CONCACAF Nations League last summer. It's Mark! Mark Uh, How are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate it. You know, it's a it's a short it's a short little uh, recap of my career, but you make it sound so extensive. Hey, well, Jimmy, you know Jimmy, real quick, I, I got to say off the top for anybody that's going to be watching this visually, uh, I guess you can only watch it visually, or you can listen to it. <laughs> uh, but anybody watching this, uh, Mark's got a third. Like since the last time I talked to Mark uh, uh, on on our other podcast, he only had two racks of his shoes up. 
Now he's got three racks. Just to give you an idea <laughs> of, of how good you have it when you're a professional athlete and you got a sneaker deal. Uh, he's now got three racks of shoes up, just so you know. And this was literally a few days ago. So life is good over there. Yeah. Life, life yeah. is good. Life is good. So, Mark, Mark, tell us basically what's going on at Gank in Belgium. I believe your season just finished. I don't think it ended the way that everybody wanted to at the club. Uh, it, it, but but for you in particular, it seemed a bit up and down this season, either due to injury or coach's selection or whatever it may be. And I think that sometimes as fans, we gloss over the fact of kind of that we're human beings and we're still trying to work through this adversity. And, and uh, yeah, tell us about your journey this particular season. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's been a, a crazy year to think about, you know, in, in, in retrospect, uh, you know, came into the year with like high hopes, you know, coming off Nations League and now having a full preseason with the team, you know, and then get a good run in the beginning of the season. And then, yeah, kind of just hit a wall where I'm, I'm in the selection for one game and then out of selection, you know, for the next, you know, three, four games. And then you have international breaks coming up. So that breaks up the, the the time you're at the club you know i think we had what, september october november so you had three windows you know in a span of three months so by the time you get back to the club you have another three or four games and then you're trying to get minutes there and then you go back to international break so uh yeah it was it was difficult not having the, the regular flow of minutes you know uh got a couple of caps you know with during the qualification period with the national team and then yeah never really hit my form you know i've never really hit my my, my stride uh, to be honest, the entire year until the, probably the last you know month and some change. Um, Mark, Mark, really quick, I want to jump in on this because I find it interesting because Christian Pulisic, I think, is being used by Thomas Tuchel. Like, well, he he was on qualif you know, Concacaf qualifying. He's got to travel so much. We couldn't rely on him. We couldn't trust on trust him to be you know because he's got so much flying. But then of course he starts a thirty seven year old Thiago Silva, which completely <laughs> negates his argument. But do you feel like coaches over in Europe will use that against North or South American players? Because you're traveling so much, I'm like, well, you're you're not sharp enough. You're you're distracted. Your focus is somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be. You know, it could be part of the reasoning. You know, I think each coach has their own, uh, yeah, reasons. I don't want to say excuses because it makes it sound bad, but yeah, their own reasons for for playing guys. So of course, when you're playing, you know, North America, South America, you got you know seven plus hour travel. You know, six seven plus hour time difference. So, you know, that's one of the factors that goes into it, of course. But as a footballer, you do everything you can to make sure you're ready, right, to, to, to be on the field, to step on. And, and whenever your name is called, and, you know, two days after the, the, the break is over, you want to be playing that match, right? So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess it could be a reason why, why coaches, you know, don't play some of the North Americans or South Americans. But, uh, yeah. Do you feel do you feel like it's, uh, you know, because when I was when I was in Germany, I was only one of two or three players that were leaving. Right. And, mm -hmm. and uh, two of them were European. And then I, myself, when I would leave to go to the national team, I would come back and it was, I was punished for it because most of the team is, and it's not the case because you guys have a lot of internationals, but the team is training when things aren't going well, it's more days for the coach to work through things. He wants his players on the field. When I'd come back, he'd be like, yeah, but you haven't been in training. And I'd be like, but I don't like how, how is that my fault? You know, like I'm being, it's, it's, you're that, uh, you know, you're, you're coming back. Usually you're arriving a day or two before the game. You know that you are tired, whether you played or not, there's a good bit of travel, but you want to prove yourself. And, and I mean, do you think that plays a factor in, in a club like gank? For sure. For sure. For sure. I think like, for example, we have like Ito coming from Japan. So God knows how long his travel can be. Right. So that could definitely play a factor, you know, but on the weekend, you know, he's going to be ready. You know, he's one of those guys you can depend on, you know, what you're going to get out of him on the weekend. 
Um, and I think that's the case for all internationals. You go and you represent your country and it's huge pride, right? And then you come back to your club team. And in order for you to get to the national team, you have to perform well with your club team. So you want to make sure that each match, you know, you're going into that ready. And once you come back from the break, of course, you're going to be a little tired. You're going to have some jet lag and that. But there's ways of, of kind of sorting and pushing over, you know, uh, you get the rest, you, you drink coffee, you stay up, you know, so you can get rest the following night, this, that, you know, all these little tricks that you can do. Uh, and then by the time the weekend gets here, you're, you're good to go. But yeah, I think it's kind of a, a lame excuse in some, in some ways, you know, to, to not play at the weekend. Cause for myself, especially as a young footballer, as a young international coming from you know America to Europe, I want to play every game cause I have something to prove, you know, each time, you know, I step on the field, I got this chip on my shoulder. Cause again, they're, they're like, Oh, it's an American guy. You know, you know, what does he know about football really? Hey, real quick, Mark, my, my, my follow-up is, is when you get back from national team camp, right? And it's winter and it's dark at 4 p.m. How, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a joke, but also how difficult is it to then go to training and then keep yourself up in the afternoon when you walk in the door, that jet lag's hit, your couch is talking to you being like, hey, just, just come, come, come lay your head down here for a few minutes. You know, it'll be fine. I mean, going through that, I mean, how difficult is it to get back into a rhythm, especially with these long uh you know uh, all of the windows were double fixture windows uh throughout qualifying i mean how difficult or how big of a challenge is that for for the adjustment for a player it's huge man i think like for example when i fly back from america from yeah north america usually you're arriving unless you get on the chartered flight you know right after the match you're arriving in the morning so you have the entire day you have to get through you know and you you know as soon as you get to training you probably show up a little bit later um, do a regen or something like that, flush the legs, try and get the travel out. You know, you may do some film or some some light work with the team, you know, in order to, to kind of get yourself up to speed. And then by midday, you know, by two o'clock, you're like, okay, you know, what am I really going to do? Because, you know, by the time four o'clock, 4.30 gets here, the sun is already setting. You know, you got dinner to cook. You know, you just want to chill out. You don't really want to think about nothing. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely difficult, you know, to try and balance that and try and figure out ways to to kind of keep yourself going when, yeah, all you want to do is kind of just sit on the couch, you know, you play a little bit of Call of Duty. But for even me, when I was playing Call of Duty, I was getting tired, man. I was I was <laughs> I couldn't really focus, bro, because I'm tired. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that part of it up because I think we're we're speaking about the physical elements of this travel and and everything that comes into it, but then. When you are tired physically, then mentally you start to lose it as well. And we've all been on the field at some point where we didn't get enough sleep. Maybe we didn't eat right. And all of a sudden, something that would not normally bother us during the training, maybe we just had a bad touch or whatever, it starts to snowball into something bigger. All of a sudden, your first touch just, just disappeared. You're, you're lacking some patience that you would have had before. Well, you feel like and, you're under the microscope, too, of like being watched. Like, is he good? Or is he not? You make that bad touch. Yeah, it gets in right. your mind of like, oh, they're going to think I'm tired or they're going to think I'm not focused. On, on top of that, too, when you're gone for international duty, the guys that don't have international duty are sitting there plotting. I'm going to figure out a way to be better than Mark McKenzie. And I get to be around the coach for these five or six days and blah, 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 blah. Like you have that competitiveness that that exists in, in a locker room, which is usually a healthy thing. But sometimes it can work against you, which is a shame because you are going to represent your country. So I guess what I wanted to ask here was with regard to this vicious cycle that I think you find yourself in where you go to represent your country, as you mentioned, and as I said in, in the tail of the tape, you did well, started both games for us in the Nations League. We win it. Uh, very exciting to, to the way we won it as well. 
You don't get called into the Gold Cup because you got to have a preseason with your team, but that obviously gives opportunities to other players to emerge, potentially in your position. Miles Robinson being the, the name that I think jumps out at everybody. And, and then it's kind of a crapshoot for if you're going to get called in for yeah. World Cup qualifiers at that point. But then you, you can't go back to your club team, and now you're fighting for that position. So now Greg Berhalter can be like, well, you're not playing for your club team. And your club coach is like, why are you going with the U.S.? And then you're just kind of stuck in this cycle. I, I got to know how, how you manage that mentally and emotionally because that's got to be difficult especially if you're by yourself over in belgium yeah that was probably one of the the tougher periods you know i think when you're not playing there's a lot of stuff that goes through your head you know and again like you said you're trying to prove yourself constantly you know and having only gotten to belgium in january of last year you know you had maybe five months to kind of get adjusted to the style of play and the, the club and the culture x y and z get myself established off the field, all these things. So now finally get a full preseason. But then right after that, you kind of find yourself again in this, this, this turn is this cycle of, of in and out. Um, and I found it personally difficult, you know, um, it was my first time kind of going through that period, you know, back in Philly when I was, you know, home, of course you have, you, you have your family around you, your home cooking, you know, all the, the, the ins and outs of the club. You've been there since you were a kid, but now here, it's doggy dog, you know, and then you're, you're trying to, to really cope with that, you know. Um, so, yeah, with the national team, I think it kind of made it even more difficult because, again, that's uh, it's here and then it's gone for a few weeks. So whatever you do with your club team, you know, you better make sure you do well, because if not, there's somebody else who can potentially step in, you know. And, and that's kind of been the case this entire season for me uh, personally, if I'm blunt. Even coming down to to the last this last six months here uh, here with Gank and the national team, so uh, the two play hand in hand, and I think that's a difficult thing to to kind of balance if you're not one of those guys who's the the key, you know, who's the uh, staples, you know, in, in the national mm -hmm. team just yet, and, and really trying to find his way and become a, a staple piece. Hey, so you were you were in the uh, you uh, the conference league playoffs, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Within the league, you guys played. How many games was that? Five or six? Six, game, five six games? Six games. Six, six games. games. How many of those did you did you play of those six? I played four out of the six. And and what were the results of, of those four games? <laughs> I love it. So we, we won the first. Uh, let's see. We won. We won. We tied. Uh, lost, lost, tied. Yeah, okay. so I played in the first three and then the last match. Okay. So, yeah, so relatively good. Like, so you, didn't, all, you, didn't, you didn't play in the two losses. That's really what we're trying to get to here, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, just state the facts. Just state the yeah, facts. I'm, 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 i what is going on? And I would look internally and be like, hey, you're just Heath, you're just not that good, right? Like I, you're like, like it can't be like you can't have two coaches in a row and then not start to question, like, is it me? Because like we as athletes, we're constantly we have these walls up. Yeah, you have to reflect and self, but you don't let any of that poison into your body that's gonna make you feel like you're 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 weak or vulnerable. So you keep on pushing through. Now you've gone through that with two coaches, and on top of that, when you're getting your chances, the team's actually getting results. I mean. I guess walk me through your mentality of going through that in real time. Cause Jimmy, I know you've been through it. I've been through it of what it's like to feel like, man, how do I, how do I do differently? Right. And that's what leads you to in training, trying to do play outside of your game and do things that aren't, don't make you, you. And that's where you start to fall backwards into habits that 
what I think actually show poorly upon us as, as players, because you're looking for like, well, what else can I do? I got to do more. Uh, I mean, walk through sort of this process of, of, of the season for you. And then on top of that, kind of the national team and your, your situation within that. Yeah, I think uh, for me, the biggest hurdle that I came across, the biggest obstacle was when I wasn't playing, I started kind of going out of myself and trying to play to appease the coach. And, and in a way, of course, as footballers, we know we have to, to make sure we, we do things in a matter to, to impress. Hmm. We got a little, uh, there he is. Mark McKenzie's back, everybody. He, was, right, he I, had a great point. you guys? Nah, yeah. you're good. Pick it okay. up from there. All right, yeah, yeah. So, look, as, as footballers, we all know we have to, to try and impress to some extent, right? Um, but I got to the point where I was always trying to, I shouldn't say always, but very often I wasn't playing my game, you know, the way I knew that instinctual, you know, that out-of-body kind of game. I was kind of playing in a way where I was looking over my shoulder shoulder and like okay well did he like that you know I made this pass you know that he really likes you know and then I so when you start doing that you're not really doing what you do best you know you're you're, you're not playing like yourself and I think that was the, the cycle I kind of found myself in at certain points um because I wanted to be on the field you know I wanted to be uh, yeah I wanted to be on the field playing so so Mark my question now kind of pertains to the June roster that just dropped you obviously Come off four good games for your club. You're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. Miles Robinson goes down with an Achilles injury. You're thinking, all right, well, that sucks for him. And obviously, you know, you, you, you're going to probably send him a note saying how horrible that is. Obviously, can, we can all relate to, to the bad timing of that. But it's given you an opportunity. So that's kind of the other side of that coin. And then your name isn't on the rosters. Did you have a – you see other guys. I mean, not that the other guys didn't deserve it, but you probably feel like you've done enough, especially here at the end of the season – to warrant a look, especially because Greg's trusted you before. Did you have a conversation with Greg? Did you find out the roster just like the rest of us? Because I've been on that side of it where you you thought you were in with with the coaching staff. And I used to talk to Bob Bradley on the phone. And oh, then, initial rosters are the worst, too, when you get that first email. Yeah, oh, you're, you're just like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's like being put on hold for two hours. You're like, okay, I guess I'm in this pool, but like, I'll wait till that final. No, I know, I know. They, well, yeah, for everybody that doesn't know, there's an initial roster that goes out that probably has 35 to 40 players. Yeah. So yeah. you see your name tagged on that, and then you don't hear anything about the final roster unless you're on the final roster. And and it sucks to find out, oh, well, there it goes. I just saw it on the internet that the roster's out and I'm not on it. Uh, uh, I mean, did you have a conversation with Greg? I mean, what, what, you know, what's, what's kind of the next step for you? Because as I mentioned, because you've earned that trust, because you know how, the way that Greg likes to play, I feel like they gave you a slight advantage of maybe some of these other guys, but maybe he just wants to see them knowing he already knows what he knows about you. Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of both, you know, uh, he kind of knows my game, you know, we, we've got a relationship for the past, yeah, a year and some change, yeah. Over a year, as you say. So, yeah, we have a good relationship, but but also potentially wanting to see other guys. And to be honest, it's tough. You know, it's tough not being there, you know, and you work so hard towards the end of the season and trying to make sure that you're you're in that, you know, conversation or at least you're putting yourself in, in the conversation uh, to say, well, look, I'm playing match week in and week out. We're getting good results. Kept, you know, three, four clean sheets in a row, you know, completing – you know, over 90% of my, my passes, winning over 80% of my do all these things, you know, trying to make sure that there's no real reasoning or or at least trying to eliminate as much reasoning as possible why you will be, you know, admitted from the, the roster. So, uh, yeah, we had a conversation. You know, it was a good conversation. Just bluntly, you know, I just wanted to know, you know, well, what, what was the reason. So, 
uh, he was honest. You know, and I think it's, again, a bit of both, you know, it's both sides and then knowing me, but, but also want to see other guys. So, again, it's tough, you know, but now you kind of just got to turn it over because now I got to recharge and, you know, mess around. And, and I think in three and a half weeks, we're, we're starting training camp again here in, here in Belgium. So, you know, I'll take this time to, to kind of recharge, get my body right. Uh, get my mind right and, and really fine tune my game. So that way it's preseason, you know, I step into the team, become staple into the team, leave this new coach, no reason, you know, why I shouldn't be playing every week. So, you know, and that will hopefully mitigate the opportunity of being left out of the rosters going forward. And Mark, now did he give you, you don't have to tell us exactly what he said, but did Greg give you like specific things that he'd like to see you get better at? So, you know, over mm-hmm. these next three and a half weeks over this preseason, all right, I got to get better at these things. And if I show that consistently, maybe I still have an outside chance. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, he was, uh, that's honestly, I, the biggest thing for me is just transparency. You know, I, I'd rather get criticized, you know, and, and be one, be my hardest critic, but two, get criticism. So that way I can figure out what exactly it is. I'd ra- I don't, I don't like this, you know, well, you just don't look like, you know, this, this general you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. blanket I, statement I, stuff, you it's know, so I, bad. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, Mark. No, no, no. I just, I, just, I don't, I, I can't stand it, you know? So I'd rather just be straight out with me. Let me know, like, look, you're a trash player. I don't want you on my team. You know, I'd rather hear yeah. that, you know, than this lead me on and make me feel like it. And then, you know. Uh, hey, Mark, uh, I'm yeah. sorry to say this to you, uh, yeah. but but you're, you're a bit of a dumpster fire. Of a <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine right. a good team? I thought you were good. Turns out you're a trash player. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but the, the, that's the truth. And again, I don't think people always realize that I would say, from my own experience, I can only speak to my own experience and the coaches that I know. I would say 75% of coaches are not honest and open and transparent. They play games. They do back out when it comes time for I think uh, it's taking having, the easy road, though, Heath. Like, you're in yeah. that position. A, a, a player comes up to you and says, hey, what can I work on? And if you're not prepared for that, you're scrambling, you know? Yeah. And most coaches aren't prepared for that kind of one-on-one meeting. But, but yeah. uh And, and, and I, I, yeah, I faced the same issues when I was a player because, you know, growing up, that was sort of in our house was sort of to, to ask questions, right? The only way to find out mm-hmm. is to ask questions. And that was seen as combative at times or challenging at times when really I just want to gather information, right? And I remember being getting in trouble for asking questions when I was in the national team. And I think the national team is a really unique place uh anyway because it's so competitive in a way but at the same time you have so little control as to as to especially when you're on the fringe right of like who likes you who doesn't your performances are 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 all relative it's not like you have this gigantic delta between the quality of the players right there's it's 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 pretty close-knit outside of a few stars in the team that you know are going to play week in and week out with that, were you able to digest, like, how long did it take you to digest it and like sort of internalize it and turn it into like actionable, right? Because at first you're kind of like, some of that's like, okay, I get it. But also some, some of it's like, yo, F that. Like, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I, I can, you know what I mean? Like your yeah, ego, yeah, it's yeah. hard to like put that off to the side and just take information and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. When you're, when your mind is telling you, yeah, but I've been doing that. Like what you're saying is what I've been doing. Um, and I don't mean this specifically to Greg Berhalter or the situation that you're in because it's the club situation and, and, and it's any, any environment that you're in, you're constantly having to sort of battle like the, the good and the bad of, of, of your mind. No, I think it was probably, it probably the first hour I was pissed, you know, straight up. I was just like, you know, cause it's the evening over here and I've been waiting, you know, waiting to get this, you know, you know, it's the end of the season. Now we're, we're, we're building up to the game. I'm like, all right, 
the windows next week. I got to start making arrangements. You know, how am I going to balance my holiday? The clubs asked me when you come back from international duty, you know, you were, you were involved before. So, so, you know, what's the, what's your travel arrangements, you know, and you have to be back at this point in time, you know, and make sure you get two weeks of holiday and make sure you recover. But so all these things I'm trying to plan, you know, I'm like, all right, when am I going to see my family? All right, what are we going to do? I want to get away. I want to go somewhere warm. So all these different factors are moving. Right. And then you get the email and I was like, what? Like, and then, yeah, I got a flush. I was pissed off. And then I was disappointed. I was pissed with myself. I was like, well, I didn't get good enough, obviously, in these last games, you know. And it's probably because I didn't get played at two, you know, two games ago. And he wrote, the coach rotated. And, you know, so all these things running through my head. Um, but probably by the next morning, you know, I was like, all right, yeah, this is the way it is, you know. And, and I just got to take it in stride right now. So what's the, the, the way, best that can come out of this? You know, I, I take the time to recover. and. Yeah, you know, I wish the best of the team, but yeah, it's yeah. The, the difficult. And by part. the way, the, the the hardest part of all of this is that we know it's 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 a it's there's two sides to all of that, right? But we all, Jimmy, we went through it with Bruce, with Bob, with Jurgen, you know, now now with 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 Greg Berhalter of saying you got to you got to be playing. But there's people that aren't playing that get called into every single camp. That's right, and and it's not the same people. And there, and Charlie Davies said it in our on our on our last on our last show on here, which is there's levels to this, right? Christian Pulisic doesn't play for three months; he's coming in, right? He's getting called in. He doesn't play for six months; he's getting called in. I understand that, but there's always in your mind when you're going through that, you look to your left or to your right, and you go, "Well, what about how come double the standard? A lot of yeah. double standards." And and, yeah. and 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 that's the reality, and that's not a Greg Berhalter problem. That is a problem with all managers uh, around the world. Yeah. Ideally. He should be able to have the depth and quality within this group at a certain point to be like, if you're not playing, you don't come in, period. But that'll never be the case. And that's sort of team building. That's the way it works. And so that's a hard part to go through. And I remember specifically always thinking about it being like, but why, why does that apply to me? You know, why does, why does that apply to, 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 to him or him or him? Uh, and that sort of thing. And I think that's, it's a really hard thing mentally to process always because you realize life ain't fair. You realize yeah. that there is no sort of, no two things are ever the same and, and no one and, no one owes you anything i think that was a hard yeah, one yeah. for me to to yeah. take in as well throughout my career when it's maybe some some entitlement seeps in you had some success you've proven yourself and then you just expect you know i've done it once before why won't you trust me again so some entitlement comes in but then when you realize no one owes you anything i feel like life becomes a little bit easier and you just can kind of focus on what you can control and what you can't yeah. so uh well mark this has been a pretty heavy conversation we like to keep it lighthearted <laughs> here so we appreciate your time before we let you go though we have one question of all of our special guests we like to talk about jersey swaps so yeah. is there any jersey swap in your career that you made that you're really proud of that you got and then secondly any regrets where you missed out on it Keith has got a lot of regrets with regard to jersey swaps. So I wanted to know uh, where you stood on, on both what you got and what you didn't. Uh, let me think. I, one of the one, I mean, one still, of the ones. You're still relatively really young. Of, you got plenty of time yeah. to get some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> no, one I was really proud of was I swapped with Bradley Wright Phillips, you know, and, and he's a, a really good guy, you know, and I have a good relationship with him and, and competing against him. You know, I think we, we, we became cool. So. I think that was a, a cool one, you know, especially a as a young guy in the league, you know, and he's a top goal scorer. He's had a, a great career. You he know? didn't, he didn't but, score on you, dunk on you or anything, and then did that little hop step and jump into the and corner, did he? That's <laughs> the thing about it, you know, and that was the, the sweetest part of it all. So, yeah, I think that was one that I, that I relished, and another would be probably just swapping with some of my boys, you know, who I've come up with from the youth, whether it be in, you know, academy football or college, um, you know, seeing us climb together and make it out. 
And then one that <laughs> I regret that I missed out on. Um, there's a lot of times. Uh, yeah. That would have been a good one. I missed out yeah. on it. You know, yeah. I think, did somebody I think else B- grab him in front of you? Or did you just like, you just got to that point? You're like, no, nah, I'm not going to ask him. I don't want to be that I guy. Think, or... I think it was Brendan. I think Brendan beat me to it. Oh, that Brendan, Brendan Aronson. What a punk. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to talk to him about this too. Now that I think about it, you know. So yeah, I think I think I think it was B who beat me to him, but yeah. I'm 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 a firm believer that you should only trade jerseys with people you actually compete against. And we know Brendan Aronson yeah. wasn't competing directly against Latan Ibrahimovic, but yeah. listen, so, yes. Listen, he's he's standing up top watching me go head to head with this guy. <laughs> exactly. You know, oh my god. All right, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Where can everybody find you, by the way? I know you do a podcast called Slice of Soccer. Is there yeah. uh, anything else, any places where you can find you? Drop your social media handles right now, my yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Mark McKenzie 4 You can find me on Twitter, Mark McKenzie 4 underscore. Um, yeah, check out Heath and I, our podcast. You know, you can check us out on social, Slice of Soccer. And uh, you know, on podcasts, make sure you download wherever you wherever you to podcast. Exactly. Hit or in Slice button. It, baby. Leave some reviews, baby. Let's this get guy's a pro. It. He's a pro. He's a pro. He's done this before. <laughs> Mark McKenzie, everybody. Mark, we love you, buddy. Best of luck the rest of the way. And we hope you make Appreciate that World Cup roster in 2022. Let's go, Mark McKenzie. Oh, man. All right, Heath, we're going to take our first and only break of the show. But when we return, we'll break down our thoughts of what Mark had to say. And we'll get into some of the top stories around the world for Americans, including Brendan Aronson, apparently officially going to Leeds. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce. Charlie Chuckwagon Davies decided to be too cool for us, unfortunately. But he'll be back with us on the next one as he does. That should be a lot of fun. But I want to give a shout out to Mark McKenzie again for coming on the show. Before I ask Keith about his thoughts about what Mark had to say, and I feel like we could really relate to a lot of the themes, as we mentioned at the top of the show, of this discussion of of what it means to be on the outside looking in. Thank you. That's what I want to say for hitting like and subscribe on the YouTubes and hitting subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. It means a lot to us. We want to continue to build this out and really have a robust community. Not that we don't already, but as we continue to grow it out. 
for the 2022 World Cup, which kicks off November 17th in Qatar. All right, Heath Pierce, mm-hmm. your initial thoughts on anything Mark McKenzie had to say. There was a lot to get into, and I think we kind of put our spin on uh, spin sounds like a bad word, but put our 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 own experience into the conversation there but i know that you and i could explore it a little bit further yeah i mean i was trying to make it not about mark and greg berhalter or mark and his coach at his club because that's not what it is right it's just no no no, it's it's the difficulties of being a part of it it's just part of the journey of a professional athlete and 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 so it, it it one it brought back a lot of like trauma for me of going through it like i i it's funny we 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 gen- generally tend as humans uh in human nature to remember the good times right uh and uh the trauma of certain things you go through throughout your career i was specifically thinking about a guy named stefan beinlich who i played with at uh hansa rostock he had played champions league he was at hamburg he was at bayer leverkusen he would played with the german national team briefly and a really good career bundesliga player and I remember I was out of the team for like five weeks or something like that. And that had been five games that I'd gone to the national team in that window and came back. And I remember just, I was wearing my anger daily on me. You know, I was alone. I was away from everybody, had no family around. And I just, you're stuck in this mental vortex, probably depression, um, looking back on it. Like I was in this just world where I can't see beyond my own perspective and I tried to spend more of my career, not in that place, but occasionally you get into that place mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I didn't have a team around me to get me out of that. I didn't have a good agent that was able to snap me out or a team around me that could help me or people that cared. Cause it, like he said, like Mark said, it's dog eat dog. Right. And you get in there and someone's trying to take your job. You're trying to take somebody's job. And especially when you come in on a transfer fee and they know you're getting a bigger wage than most of the players. Cause you're a foreign player and all those things, those get held against you. And he had said to me, he was like, Keith, it's six weeks of your career. It means nothing. And I remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, but you're not trying to go to the World Cup in 2010. You know, in my mind yeah. thinking like, you're not going through what I'm going through. You don't know anything about my... And and it made sense later on, but I was always caught in this every game that I didn't play. I thought about the snowball effect it was going to have on my career. And Mark going through that, I know what it's like to be alone and by yourself. And he's he's in a small town as well where he doesn't have all the distractions around him. Like when I was in Copenhagen, if things weren't going well with the team, I had a million things that I could do. And I was living in a city where people you knew eat those you. bright red crunchy hot dogs. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, but, yeah, but I could go anywhere. People knew you, but they didn't care. Like you had it your own life. Whereas in Germany, when things were going bad for me on the club, if I left the house, people were saying stuff to you. Like it, it was, a, it was like this almost nightmare scenario at times. And so, yeah, I, I don't really have a direction. I was trying to go with this other than like the relatability of what he's going through at this point of his career. And this next season is going to dictate a lot of where he goes, like in his career, whether he falls back into uh, that mindset of 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 either feeling victimized or allowing that to consume him, or you know, fighting back and 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 pushing his way out of this into being a starter in his team, or yeah. or perhaps somewhere else, and, and using this adversity to turn into something positive, right? Because mm-hmm. we, you, and I have both played with a lot of players that I think were stars their whole careers, and then all of a sudden. They get some adversity. They're told maybe they aren't good enough for the first time mm-hmm. and they're not playing and they don't know how to cope. You know, that you can that can happen in MLS, it can happen in college, it can happen in, in Europe. You don't have to go travel somewhere to at some point in your life be told or be shown that you're not good enough. And, and the ones that can manage that the best and 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 keep that low as as short as possible and, and ride the highs as long as possible are the ones I think that have long careers. And I think Mark seems to have a pretty good grip of it. I mean, I tried to get in a little bit on him being alone, but maybe because there is so much 
I don't know, technology that's advanced since we were a little bit younger, his age, you know, that you can feel a little bit more connected. You can get your parents very quickly. You can see their faces and not just hear their voices over a phone. And, and those aren't also, sometimes you don't want to continue to go back to the well. Like you have these people that support you. It's weird when you get into that space, Heath, and we don't need to go too far down this, but it's like, I know what I'm going to get when I hear from my, my parents love me. They always have my back. Like I get that. Right. Yeah. And as much as you need that and you know that it exists, you still kind of want that constructive criticism and you don't want the other side of it either, where you're being told your shit the whole time. So it's like, you want to find this person yeah. that's in the middle and it's hard yeah. to find those people that actually know the game and, and, and can kind of really speak to you unemotionally about what you need to do to work on it. Anyway, we can, yeah. no, no, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. It, it brings me to a point that, you know, when I was going through my career, obviously I started playing in Denmark and first six months we were just under this coach named Johnny. I don't even remember his last name. And we were just trying to survive in the league. And I was like, this is amazing, right? I had a great first game came in second game. I was man of the match. Third game. I got subbed out at halftime and you're going through this whole thing of emotions of like, you're good. You're bad. You're good. You're bad. Like, okay, simplify your game. You're not as good as you think you are, but you're just sort of figuring it all out. Then we brought in this coach named Morton Vighorst who had just retired from Bronby. He had played at Celtic. He had played for the Danish national team. And he was young, like he was probably in his late 30s at that point. And I remember him specifically telling me, Heath, if I had any depth, like he was telling me to extend my contract at the club was essentially the, the, the crux of the conversation. Because he's like, I don't think you're consistent enough or ready to go to the next level. And I didn't believe him because mostly because, you know, I knew the money was going to be better. And I believed that I could play in the Bundesliga mm -hmm, and whatever. Mm -hmm. But he was like, Heath, there are times in matches where if I had anybody to put in that I could trust, I would, I would have taken you out. But you've got this false sense of security that you're you're hmm. you're good enough because you're playing all the time. And I remember thinking about that of being like, but I am I am good enough, and I believe that. But he he had a good point that that's good feedback. At times actually. I wasn't. It was great feedback, and and but it's hard my, to hear. One of my regrets in my career that was easy to hear because the hard part was it was in conversation of me staying at the club where I knew it was it was going to be a a different situation because he was also a coach that used to come out in training and be like Keith. You're not focused in training because it's too easy for you. So you need to make your own goals in training. I want you to go this whole training. Don't lose the ball one time because he knows that like I'd be, be in possession. I'd try to hit a ball that was like a cheeky ball or something like that and trying to do these things. And it was an unbelievable perspective for me. And one that I wish that I had throughout my career of somebody who was willing to take time out of their day to make me a better player outside of the context of the team and have an honest conversation with me that was direct, but it was also nurturing. It was also like he knew when to thread uh, compliments. Mm -hmm. He knew how to make me feel good as a good player, but also was like, but you're not there yet, you know? And he had played at Celtic. He won championships. He'd, he, had, he, he was just, you know, one of these guys. And I, and, and I look back on that as a memory of one being like, not as an excuse, but I wish I had that around me more often because it was hugely valuable. And while I didn't listen to his advice at the time, it was it was late in my, in my deal. I was planning on leaving the team. It was one that I was like, okay, that's something valuable that I can learn something from. Yeah, I took that for granted a little bit. It sounds like I, I have one. What I just wanted to have one more insight about what Mark had said, and we'll talk a little Brendan Aronson. But when you get that feedback from a coach, it's incredible. So I remember when Frank Yallop took over our team here in San Jose and uh, I broke my foot in preseason. It was supposed to be me and Jeff Agus were going to be the center backs. I break my foot in preseason. So they go out and sign another center back, Troy Dyack, who's absolutely bonkers. And I love him for it. What year and was this? This was 2001. 
Okay, so I don't go on okay. our preseason. Trip. He was my uh, Troy Dyack, by the way, was my club coach, and he had like broken his neck or something and was coaching. He coming that was prior to that. that around like probably ninety nine or something, and he would come and coach my team in Modesto. Which this is the post career <laughs> neck injury, which is actually pretty remarkable that he could even play yeah. at all. But when I came back into the team, I'm out eight to ten weeks with a broken foot. The guys are on this this crazy winning streak or, or unbeaten streak, I should say. And I couldn't get back into the team, even though I was slated to be the guy, you know, coming into it. They weren't even looking at Troy Dyack. It was going to be me and Jeff Agus. And I was thrilled because I got to play against Jeff, who just got traded in. And he's a, he just he was going to go to the World Cup in 2002. Like, he was still a very valuable uh, component of the men's national team. And I, I couldn't wait to get started and play center back. And I remember going into Frank Yelp when I was healthy. Like, what do I got to do to get back into this team? And he, I don't think he was ready for the conversation. I love Frank. We're, we're friends now and and uh yeah i adore the guy but he listed out oh kind of gen generic things right mm -hmm. so let's fast forward i they're on this unbeaten streak i we're in miami for a game and it's like six weeks later i still can't get into the team i'm now like trying to figure out what i'll play right back i'll play left i'll play wherever i just want to get into the team and i had listed out everything that he had said i went home and wrote down everything that he'd said when it was fresh and I said, hey, Frank, at this meeting in a hotel, I remember in a lobby in Miami, I said, Frank, you said I needed to work on this. I feel like I've done it. I seen it work. On, I li listed like the eight things and oh, I ticked every box. Yeah. And he was like, he didn't know what to say. He's like, I've never run into a player like you before. <laughs> 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 you psycho, uh, you know, yeah. but I was the guy just so everybody knows how kind of crazy I was. Because if I didn't play, once we got back to the hotel, I'd go on a three or four mile run. You know, and I had to get that energy out, that anxiety out, that uh, the stress and pressure I was putting myself under. I needed to expend that type of energy. But but that's how I took feedback. And if and if I what I really bothered me to your point a little bit about the double standard, I went out and did everything he set out to do. And I still and this is now we finally lost a couple of games and I still couldn't get in. And and I was getting a lot more pissed because now I felt like a, a precedent or what he was. He's going against his own word. And that really fired me up now. It all worked out, and I, you know, I, I fought my way through that. But um, and I started MLS Cup that year, and we won it at right back. By the way, oh, there's the right humble back. brag. We are 45 minutes in, and yeah, just yeah. Went so, out of so the park. anyway, there's just there's just a lot of a lot of different ways to to kind of handle feedback, and and uh, I don't know if Frank Yelp cared for me at that particular moment when I basically called him out. But I felt like I had to. I got pushed to that point because I felt like he was going against his own word, and and I'd like to think I made him a better coach because he's got to be careful about what he says to his players. Yeah. So anyway, that's just just one something I wanted to throw out that really has no bearing on anything it's specific no, but other it's, than the it's, feedback from the coach. It's 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 a hard situation to be in, which, you know, coaches are interesting because they're not they're not qualified in a way that you would other professionals in your life in terms of they don't have to have any people skills. Mm -hmm. They could just be good coaches, right? And it causes a lot of self-doubt or trust issues with you and a coaching staff. It's 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 an interesting dynamic because it is a sort of teacher-subordinate situation. You're seeing now it's more modern, more ego management, more communication two-way between the players. But by and large, most of my career was you're either right or you're wrong based on my perspective. I'm the coach. I right, make the rules. Right, you're in right. or you're out. And there were some degrees of of communication within all that. And I feel like it's becoming a little more more human. As I mean, in Germany, we used to lose, and and I've said this before. The next morning, what should be a region, the coach would take us out to the forest, which is <laughs> next to the training ground, uh, and he would just tell you to start running. 
and yeah. you wouldn't occasionally it'd be 30 minutes occasionally be an hour and 15 minutes Damn. running laps in this forest and you would go past him on these loops and you would go past him and you'd go past him and you'd have no it would just you would have no idea when your time was up from running hmm. and then eventually you would come up to him and he'd just have his hand up like a stop sign and that's when you knew the thing was up and it was just like a mental war against the players that you're just like, oh yeah, this is supposed to be like this is subordinate punishment, yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. you're you're supposed to you suffer, suffer, so you never want to feel or play like that again, which is not right. always how, how it works. And so right. you, you go through your career like that. And Mark's going through it now with two different coaches. He comes from a situation that was a very nurtured environment, coming through the academy, being a proof of concept in the academy into the first team, moving him on, um, uh, you know, selling him the deal with Celtic not actually working out to now having to go through this. Again, in a small town where where you are alone, and of course you can Facetime all day long, and you can connect via video games and whatever. But right, he's right. still going through all that, and that's a, it's just a hard, it's hard thing to deal with mentally day in and day out. No, it's a nice button to the whole Mark McKenzie situation and his interview in general. I I really valued his time and his insight. Now, final thoughts before we put a button on this podcast overall. It looks like Brendan Aronson, his former teammate, Mark McKenzie's at the Philadelphia Union, who apparently stole his Latan Ibrahimovic jersey from allowing <laughs> Mark to get it, is officially going to Leeds. It's being announced now by some reputable outlets that that is a done deal. I think for 28 million euros or pounds, it's going to be the fourth highest signing in Leeds history. Something I think 22 pounds, 28 euros. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so pretty significant signing. Now, we've already talked about where I th we think Brendan Aronson could fit in, and obviously he's played for Jesse Marsh at RB Salzburg, so there's a relationship there that I think will help him transition a lot easier than if he had gone to another club where he didn't know the coach that uh, closely. But now Serginho Dest is being linked. I know, I know. We joked about I this mean, already. What <laughs> is happening? Serginho Dest is now a next American being link linked to now. I'm going to call him the Leeds United States of America. Uh, because that's what oh, it's I like, like that. That's well done. You Leeds like United that? States Thank America, you. Leeds yeah. United States of America. Now, Charlie was adamant that we that once one American goes, you can't have any other Americans go. Do you think there's an outside chance that Sergio Dest can end up with Leeds? As your final thought, give me your yeah. final thoughts about Brendan, Sergio Dest, and everything yeah, else. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because we we've joked about like this is going to become the new club and and. It does make I, it does make sense. I don't know if Serginho Dest is the right place. What weirdly though, with the Serginho Dest linked, he's also he's also been offered up to Man United, Spurs, and somebody else that was in in the top of the uh, mm -hmm. top of the Premier League. So Leeds is a, a different conversation with that. I still continue to love Brendan Aronson there. And when I think it, when, you, when you think about just the chaos of the Premier League, you go, I don't know if it can work out for him. But when you think about the way in which Jesse Marsh coaches. Again, the idea of the Gagan press, the idea of getting the ball in high positions, making the game predictable, winning it higher up the field, that's where the focus is, right? It's not in like, can we play out of the back? Can Brennan Aronson match up physically in the Premier League? A lot of what they're trying to do is not whether or not you can match up physically in the Premier League, but actually sort of game the system to, 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 to win games. Not game the system, but play in a way that allows you so you don't have to play mm -hmm. the physical mm -hmm. side all mm -hmm. the time or, or scrap and match up. So I, I really like that. The Serginho Dest one, I think we're going to continue to see players linked to leads because it can be a solution knowing that there is a belief in American players there. There is an American manager there. There is an American ownership group that's invested in it, those types of things. But I don't think we're going to see it to the point of like nepotism of just like bring all the Americans here. Um, but we're starting to see that everybody's becoming I know. And, uh, you know, on one hand, it's pretty cool. We saw it a little bit at Fulham, but on the other hand, I just feel like it's going to make Jesse Marsh even more of a target. I mean, outside of Eddie Israel. Johnson, but by, by the way, though, most players did well at 
Fulham. Did they, they did. Not, they Americans? did. And hopefully that'll be the same at Leeds. All right, everybody, we're going to call it a show here. And Soccer We Trust is done for today. So on behalf of producer Alex and producer Dez and our special guest, Mark McKenzie, and the other hosts of the show, Charlie Davies, who decided to play hooky today. And, of course, Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to In Soccer We Trust. Hit like and subscribe and all that good stuff. And we will see you next time on the pod. We give them to you three times a week. And obviously, we've got some big weeks coming up with these friendlies against Morocco and Uruguay and the Nations League. So make sure you turn on your notifications as well. We'll see you next time. Later.